0: Such is the parable of the sower and the seed. A familiar one to you, I hope. One you've heard before. Um, could come up with all kinds of examples, right? Um, doesn't take much for us to understand those distractions and those things, you know. Uh, you're, you're a hearer of the word and then you uh, walk out of church and you can't hardly remember what was said you think what you, oh yeah, oh yeah, I want to follow you, Jesus, but then the uh, temptation comes and somebody offers you this and you want to smoke it or drink it or hey, and they wiggle and they blink at you and suddenly you're rubbing and touching and maybe doing some things that maybe are compromising yourself. And, And she says and he says and suddenly you're off to the battle and the wars that husbands and wives are capable of with their unbelievable ability to be insensitive or, you know, filled up with their own stuff. And Uh, We understand the parable. It isn't very complicated. The word is good. The seed is good. The preacher hopefully is doing a good job and that stuff's being sprinkled out But there's too many things out there pulling us in many directions and it's too easy to be distracted, too easy to hear it and let it take root. But as soon as you get outside the door, the car doesn't this and the wife and the husband doesn't that or life is not quite what you anticipated it to be and the cares and the toils of the world come and move and put some pressure on you and then things aren't going the way you thought. I thought if I honored Jesus, I'd get all A's in school. I still got to study. I thought if I honored Jesus and loved Jesus, my relationships would go fine. But my goodness, I still have to work on my marriage or my relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I thought this or I thought that. Or worse, you walk out of church hearing a half a sentence, right? As you're busy you know, rubbing on somebody or talking with somebody or wondering why he or she is always like he or she is, you walk out of church having heard a half a sentence when you begin to go, well, didn't God always say And what you didn't hear is that was the analogy of what God is not like, not what he is like. And so you come out of church actually being more ignorant than when you walked in, because what Satan's job is, is to figure out some way to pull you aside, distract you, pull you down, do whatever he can to move it so that the ears don't hear it right. So that the seed falls on the ground and dissipates itself rather than stays in your heart or bears fruit. Because he does not want it to bear fruit. Because by its nature, as if it bears fruit, then more and more can be planted and more and more fruit can be born in a kid or a person's life. And so there's just a hundred reasons that you could come up with and they're sitting in front of us, right? You each have your own stuff. You each have your own reasons or feeling and doing and struggling the way you struggle and whatever else it is. And so do I. I can be unbelievably distracted from worship going, Oh my goodness, Lord, how am I going to get this whole children's sermon help me to remember? I can do that and be doing something for the Lord at the same time being distracted from the very thing God's trying to minister to my spirit through the worship taking place. You know, you can be distracted by righteous things, as well as whatever that guy and girl were doing together. you know. But you understand, the point ultimately is that Satan's job is to distract you, to keep the seed from bearing fruit, to keep it from growing. The job of the demonic, the job of the flesh, the job is to keep your ears from hearing what's been said. Now the hard part in this verse is this middle section, and that's what I want you to focus on with me today, if you would. The middle part of the section... It starts here at uh, verse 9 or so. And uh, 13 verse 9. So stay with me again. He who has ears, let him hear. Alright? Pay attention. Open up your ears. Stop what you have to stop in order to listen to Jesus' point. Okay? Okay? I'm not telling you that my points are all that great. But Jesus' point, he could very legitimately say, this is a necessary point. I want you to pay attention to it. And then he adds this next thought. He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Now what's interesting is the secrets of heaven are as simple as if I put on my back a message, you know, eat at Joe's. It's not a complicated message. The only reason you don't know it is because what? You're facing the wrong direction. I haven't had it revealed to you yet. So if I turn around, now you can see what's written on my back, which is, eat at Joe's. Now the revelation is clear. Please understand, the secrets of the kingdom are not complicated. Little children can figure them out. The secrets of the heaven are not complex. It's really simple. When I ask you to do it, remember last Sunday? When I ask you to do it, do it. Yes, Dad. A kid can figure that out. They don't need to know everything else. And so the point that Jesus is making here with these disciples that are talking to him, we don't know if it's the twelve, or just the group of the ones who are closest to him, you've got to understand, as he would travel, there might be a huge group he talks to, and a little later on now, he's having this conversation after he gets out of the boat, and they're a little bit more alone someplace else, and this conversation they're having is asking the question, right? And he's explaining these things to them. The knowledge of the kingdom has not has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever, excuse me, who has will be given more, and he will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So now I go, just look at this poor husband and wife over here. Person is saved. What did he get from church on Sunday? Nothing. What tone goes home in his marriage that Sunday? Something uplifting or something destructive? Something destructive. What has he contributed to his marriage? What has he contributed to the way his wife views him? What has he done in terms of anything? Nothing. So God is looking at that and he's going, do you understand how this begins to work? God has given you something, you have received it, and pretty soon you stop. And he begins to point out to you, the very thing I gave to you eventually can be taken from you. You can lose what you've got. And you get busy doing What? Not hearing any longer, you don't pay attention. It doesn't affect your life anymore. Yeah, I was in church on Sunday. I don't know something about seed or something. I think it was uh, something about John Deere and farmers or whatever it was. You don't have any idea, but you understand. Here's God, Jesus talking to these people, and He says, "Listen, whoever has, okay, excuse me, whoever does not have even what He has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables." They had asked the question, why do you use parables? Well, a couple of reasons, all right? One reason, of course, is that the Pharisees and the scribes are out to kill him. And if he walks up and he just lays it out there without kind of covering it around this beautiful little story, uh, you know, they just kind of can grab hold of him and, and kill him instantly. And so he tells the same story and he looks at you and he says, You got the story, don't you? You understood what I was talking about, don't you? You know what the seed was. You guys even know what kind of listener you are, because that's what I'm telling you about, isn't it? And he looks at you and he says, those Pharisees over there, don't you follow their pattern? And all of that is happening in this story if we would be able to be there in the ship looking at this mixed crowd of people who love Jesus, people who know Jesus, people who are learning about Jesus and really haven't entered into a real relationship with him yet, and then people who are out to attack and destroy him. And he tells the parable. And for some, it just blesses their hearts because they understand as I let that word bear fruit in my life, it will multiply itself over and over and over again. Right? Isn't that the miracle of what Tom was trying to show you? you go, if I don't let it root in my heart, what fruit have I missed bearing? And it's so easy for us to do that. We all can more relate to what he said. Than the second one, which is the privilege of seeing the victory in somebody like that, how many people have we neglected to tell because of whatever reason, right? And we just get into those kind of patterns and it says, whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from. Him. This is why I speak to them some parables. Then he explains them. Though seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they don't understand. They don't get it. Okay, and uh, he's pointing out. This unbelievable ability. Can you sit in church and not get anything from it? Absolutely. You can be a sleeper. You can be distracted because some good-looking person is touching you. You can be busy thinking about how nasty your sister is. I was teasing him. How nasty your sister is. Or something else. The baggage of home, right? Or I'm here because Dad's making me come. Oh, God, I hope this sermon's over. Is this guy going to preach forever again like he always does? Right? Well, I can relate. I understand the concept, right? And so you begin to recognize that's the stuff. So we sit in the very situation, hearing we don't hear, seeing we don't see, and what has been given to you will be taken away. Because after a while, you develop that pattern. It doesn't just become a little bit, yeah, well, I've been going to church for the last six months and nothing's happening. Why isn't anything happening? Because you're a stony pile of of hard rock. You haven't absorbed anything that God has poured out into you. You won't let the people that love you minister to you. You're busy doing your thing with this person, or you've been too busy fighting with your brother and sister, or my goodness, she's always going to do that whenever we sing. She's going to want to raise her hands. I can't stand it. And you spend your life functioning like that, and pretty soon it begins to reflect who you are becoming rather than what God originally called you from. And the very thing I've given to you, you lose and you give away in terms of destroying like that. In them it is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but not perceiving. This people's heart has become hardened, callous. There is no pain in it any longer. You can't get through to it. The nice part about a callous when you play guitar is you can't feel the end of your finger. The strings don't hurt anymore. The bad part of a callus is you can't feel the end of your finger and you don't know what's going on with it. It's the nature of a callus, the same thing on your feet or any place else. You may like your calluses because then what the pastor says doesn't bug you. What your mother and father say to you no longer gets through. You've calloused over your heart. I've got my heart so calloused. Why? And I've justified the callous because look at what my husband's like. Look at what my wife always done. Look at who I'm sitting with. Look at who I'm not sitting with. All the emotions and stuff callouses you over. And pretty soon God comes in with the sword of the Spirit. Comes in with the ministry and mission of God and the work of the Spirit in your life. And you can't feel it at all anymore. And you go, see? It's gone. I don't feel anything anymore. And you hear people say it. I don't feel like I love God. I don't feel anything when I go to church. I don't feel close to those people. I don't feel, right? Well, part of it, the reason when you don't feel what's happened, you probably developed a callus. I mean, it's not hard and it's not easy to do. I can callous myself against people all the time. Very easily. Callous myself against students. Callous myself against fellow people I go to church with. That ability is unbelievable in us and we have to be alert to that. These people's hearts have become callous. They hardly hear. All right? It means they're, they're it actually means they're gooed over. Their ears are just covered with goo like you wax build up to the max or something. Okay? And it goes on. Their eyes have closed. That means they're just, they're mucked together, really the the, the flavor of the Greek word there is much more along those lines, that they might see and hear and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. So in the middle of this moment he's going, they're not going to see. And you've got to understand something. There's a time and a place when the answer is you can still believe. I will tell you this, I hope for every one of you sitting here today, that your time to believe is still ahead of you, not behind you. I can't tell you when it's behind you. I can tell you that Scripture says it can get behind you. And you've passed it. You have calloused over. You will not return. You will not hear this message again. Oh, you'll hear the words, Hello, God loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. But you will not have a change your life. You will continue to be as dead as you are today for the rest of your life. That's the warning of that passage. He's looking and he's saying, Listen, this cannot be done. They can't do a thing with this. And so you have this contrasted with that command which says, don't give up. I am not supposed to give up. I am not supposed to look at any man, woman, and child and say, they're too calloused over. But God's looking at you and he says, now let's you and I talk business. Harmon's got it figured out. He better keep preaching the word. But you and I know, don't we? You and I know I've talked to you. You and I know we've been communicating. You and I know I've been trying to warn you. And you know I'm talking to you right now. And you're choosing. You're sealing your heart. You're callousing yourself up. You're hardening to that point. Just like King uh, uh, Saul did in the Old Testament. God sent his spirit and sent his spirit and sent his spirit and Paul hardened himself and hardened himself and longed for money and wealth and longed for fame and prestige and longed for this and longed for that. And he did all of his own. He kind of created a God of his own making in his head in his life. And he got angry at Samuel when Samuel would confront him. And finally it says, and God hardened Saul. Did it to Pharaoh too. I know where I need to be, but I also know that God's talking to me and he tells me, don't play games with your salvation. Don't play games when I give you this message. Don't fool around with it. You don't understand the enemy. You don't understand the callousness of your own heart. You don't know how thoroughly you can kill yourself fighting the very thing I'm trying to produce and give to you in that very moment. But blessed are your eyes, you disciples, you followers of me, because they see your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, namely Jesus, the truth, the gospel, the cross, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then now to the parable, and he carries it through to the finish. And so the question goes, what kind of hearer are you today? What kind of stuff distracts you? What warning do you need? Do you need this warning over here where God is going, I love you and you know I love you. And you felt it. You understood it. God understand, this this part over here is only for those that have heard and understood. It's not for those people, let's say, on this side who who just have no idea what I'm even talking about yet. I don't even know about this Jesus. I don't even know about God. It's talking about once you know and you understand and you start to shut down, you get busy and you close yourself off, and pretty soon you've been in church all your life and you're dead in the church. You have no real worship taking place. You have no real desire to seek after God. You do whatever it is to kind of keep you going in the church and make you look good. Or do you need this side, which talks about the tenderness and the mercy? That begins to help you understand. When those temptations come up, don't let them rip out what I've given to you. Don't become hardened soil because Satan's waiting and longing to rip out anything that you maybe heard even for an instant during the day. And so the parable now makes sense when you put it all together. And the lessons ultimately that he wanted the disciples to understand is that people can stand right in front of Jesus Christ and miss the whole point. They can hear the gospel preached without a flaw from the most perfect pastor or the most perfect teacher in the world and they can totally miss the message. They can put on church like an outfit they wear. I used to be a Girl Scout or a Boy Scout. I used to wear that uniform. But since I quit, I don't even remember the pledge any longer. But I used to have the outfit to wear. And after a period of time, even that gets, doesn't fit no longer means anything. The badges wear off and the whole thing gets thrown out because it has no particular value. And Christ goes, so can your faith and your walk with God. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, I know that when you send the seed out over our lives, it's meant to bear fruit. I know in my life, Lord, uh, even now, there are days I am rock hard. I am the trail. I am the... uh, the man distracted by so many other things or people or circumstances. I also, Lord, have tasted when your word bears fruit, not only in my life, but through my life in the way I treat and respond to other people. Heavenly Father, today I confess with my brothers and sisters the hard soil, the foolish soil, the soil that is distracted by the cares and the worries and the wealth of the world. And I'm praying now, Lord Jesus, that you would make us fertile soil. That your word of mercy and grace and encouragement would be poured into us. That we would hear how much you love us. That we would hear the truth that all of our sins have been forgiven. That we'd hear the new life and taste the joy, Lord. Help us to taste the joy of your presence in our life. Father, work in our lives in such a way that we become useful to you and that all the seed you plant in our lives, through the people that are around us, through the word that we read, through the preaching, through the TV or the radio, or anything else we may hear. it, Help it, Lord, to bear fruit. Pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. As the offering is received, I would encourage you to surrender that whole area of your life.